have Hacksaw Jim Duggan. And if you want to find out what's going on, check out Nostalgia Highway. Right, fellas? Right. Yeah. Give me a hole, guys. Hello! Coming to you from somewhere along the Ohio-West Virginia border, welcome hitchhikers to Nostalgia Highway, the movies you know from the guys you don't, we're the No Frills bi-weekly movie review podcast where we are bringing to you the third and final entry for June's It It Came came From Late late Night night TV month, month, where we are reviewing those weird obscure movies you'd catch staying up late on a school night or staying over at a friend's house that have now become cult favorites amongst us cinephiles. But let's not delay any further and dive headfirst right into tonight's review. Can you dig it? I am digging it. I am your host, the Mayor Matt Logson, and joining me for episode 41 out here on the highway are my co-hosts who are not Spanky and or Alfalfa. Thank you. Why, thank you. I I think I would be the Spanky in this situation, but anyway. (laughs) Definitely the Spanky, boy. (laughs) You've got got Alfalfa covered. Oh, yeah. I've seen you part your hair. Yeah, dude. Yeah, like... Um, nickname growing up with my parents and shit. They call me Opie, Alfalfa, all that shit. Ron Howard. They'd be like, there's a Ron Howard convention down the street, so go on to it. And he, to- he buttons his top button, too. Yeah, yeah. he does. Well, Lord that's, what, like, that's why I'm a psychopath. <laughs> Enough about this asshole. <laughs> I am Dave, King of the Road. And I am the psychopath, Lord Ketchum. Tonight, we have, for episode 41, Night of the Creeps from 1986. College students Chris and JC, and also with Detective Cameron, played beautifully by Tom Atkins, encounter alien slug parasites that turn their victims into zombies. Spoilers ahead and Dick Miller ahead. That's right. Dick Miller's in this. My man. Very brief. Very brief role, but, you know, that's what he does. Very Dick Miller-ish. I'm surprised you didn't call him Old Scruffy Face. No, uh, we'll get to that. Oh, okay. There's an All Old right. Scruffy Face conversation coming up for sure. Oh, Fair cool. enough. Awesome. Better be. So this movie was directed by Fred Decker, starring Jason Lively as Chris Romero. Jason Lively, we all know from European Vacation, as Rusty. Yep. Um, um, he is the brother of Blake Lively, who was in Gossip Girl, Sisterhood of uh, the Traveling Pants, and uh, the movie The Shallows, the shark movie. Not bad. Okay, I saw that one. Okay. Uh, Eric Lively, who was in The L Word. Robin Lively, who was the uh, Teen Witch. Uh, Teen Witch, yeah, that's right. Yeah. And she was in Karate Kid 3. Yeah. I used Wait, to have kind of a little crush on her, man, actually. Yeah, she was cute. Yeah. And uh, his other sister, Lori Lively, she actually uh, was uncredited in this movie, actually. That's a big-ass family. Yeah. We got Steve Marshall as J.C. Hooper. Jill Whitlow as Cynthia Cronenberg. Cronenberg. Hmm. Hmm. Romero. Hmm. Mm. Okay. 
And Seems Alan J. Kayser as Brad. And then also Brad. we get the infamous, the stash himself, Tom Atkins as Detective Ray Cameron. Oh, yeah. Fucking Brad. So, yeah, uh, Alan Kaiser, Kaiser, he is, uh, did you, do you know who that is? No, I, I don't. Okay. No. He, he played, do you remember Mama's Family? Oh, okay. I do. Yes. He, he was Bubba. Yep. yep. <laughs> right on. That's cool. Yeah. That's what I know him from. Pretty much was a doofus. But to his credit, he plays a pretty good douchebag here. It it has to be pretty easy to play a uh, you know preppy college fucking frat guy. I, I think mid eighties. As long as you had yeah. to look pretty easy, you know. Bleached his hair. Yeah, man, that fucking Got hair, it. man. Jesus Christ. It was blonde. <laughs> that shit barely barely moved, dude. <laughs> All you gotta do is turn your man child up to eleven and act this role. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Any guy can do that. If he says he can't, he's full of shit. <laughs> or not somebody I want to hang out with. Right. Oh, no, definitely <laughs> not. This movie is rated R with a runtime of one hour and 28 minutes for the theatrical cut. And the director's cut, now, mind you, you get the additional one extra minute. So you got nice. an hour, 29 minute director's cut. Well, what does that director's massive. cut hold? Man, massive amount of detail. <laughs> we'll, we'll find out. We're going to find out, ladies and gentlemen. That's right. This movie was released on August 22nd, 1986 on an estimated $5 million budget. But it made only 220000 bucks on the uh, opening weekend, and it grossed a whopping $591,000. This is a box office failure upon failures, dude. I mean, it didn't even i mean it barely made half a million i i don't i don't understand this i mean even for the 80s i mean i would think something like this would have connected with audiences around this time you know i mean because yeah it's quirky but i mean there's there's plenty of quirky movies going on around that time you know yeah and, and, and they were drawing crowds and i i don't know i don't understand that it may not have been marketed well i don't remember anything advertisement wise for it running in that year i was only six but i mean i think i'd remember right. something about it yeah i i don't understand why there was uh so so much less money made on this but it did get that cult status which we all know nowadays and you know it, it they, they they've made their cash back i i think on it maybe Definitely oh yeah with the actual sale with the vhs sales and all that DVD stuff, LaserDisc, and yeah. Blu-ray re-releases. Oh yeah, sure. Yeah, they, they've made their money back. When it hit the DVD 20. shelves with that artwork, yeah, I think that's when people started appreciating it or giving it a chance. I mean, it had that on the uh, VHSs and everything. Yeah, yeah, the artwork for the VHS tape is far superior to what they originally came up with in the. Um, theatrical release I, I think they had like a hand like a zombie hand it looked like it yeah looked like it was reaching, this, this one yeah no 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 no. this one's reaching through a window yep um okay like i know what you're talking about kind of oh, like house yeah. except it's yeah. coming at you yeah. not to the side it reminds you of house though yeah <laughs> first time i ever caught uh, the first time i ever caught 
view of this movie. I was just a little kid and my parents had uh, rented it from the video barn. And there was, it was just a scene. It was right near the end when they were down in like that foyer in the sorority house. And I, I walk in and my parents just, they just told me to go to bed. I wasn't allowed to watch it. <laughs> so, but, um, yeah, that's, that's, I don't, I don't have really have very much memory of it when I was a child, unfortunately. IMDb has this at a 6.8 out of 10. Rotten Tomato score of 74% and an audience score of 70%. It's currently not streaming anywhere, but you can rent it or buy it on Amazon for $3.99 or just go out and buy the Blu-ray or the DVD. Or if you can find the Holy Grail of VHS, go for it. Yeah, that's your thing. Yeah. But for $3.99, yeah, buy this movie. Absolutely. Yeah. Well worth it. So this movie went under the working title of The Homecoming Night for a brief time. Zombie Town in 2007 was marketed in some regions as a sequel, but alternatively titled Night of the Creeps 2 Zombie Town in Germany, even though it isn't a legit sequel to this movie. So I don't know what the hell they're what they're thinking. I, a lot of foreign like versions of these movies, they do that. And I, I don't right. like that. It, I don't, I'm not a fan of that. I hate, I hate it. it, but it's a way to put asses in the seats. It's the same thing like when you're doing, you know, a movie search and you're streaming and you'll see a movie and the way the font and the way the cover art is and everything are like, oh, yeah, well, this is just an Annabelle ripoff or this is a Night of the Living Dead ripoff or a Texas Chainsaw ripoff, you know, and you're just yeah. that's how they sucker you in. So you mean like that time when I YouTubed Michael Jackson's Thriller and I came up with an Indian man <laughs> thriller? In his native tongue, and you've seen that. That way is way more hilarious than the original version. Yeah, that was like a yes. gem. Wow, that is some stuff. Yeah, I've seen it. Yeah, He's got like yellow eyes and like vampire teeth, and he oh, just, it's classic. That's a twist. Yeah, yeah, if, yeah. Listeners, if you don't, if you haven't seen this, look this up because you're in for a hell of a laugh. Unfortunately, I saw it too, and it's fucking trash. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's not great, but it's definitely worth checking out. Just to <laughs> Hind- say you seen Hindi thriller. Yeah. Before we move on, I, I did see the trailer to this uh, Night of the Creeps two Zombie Town, and uh, yeah. it, it looked like shit. And I was like, nah, yeah. not for me. I'll yeah, pass. I saw the uh, the ratings on it were kind of low, so yeah, there's no interest there. Hard pass. Same. <laughs> I didn't watch trailers, so good on you for doing that. Uh, yeah. All right, we kind of toyed around with this already a little bit, but uh, all the last names of the main characters in this movie are based upon famous horror and sci-fi directors. So we have George A. Romero for Chris Romero, John Carpenter and Toby Hooper for James Carpenter, J.C. Hooper. Of course, David Cronenberg for Cynthia Cronenberg, James Cameron for Detective Cameron, John Landis for Detective Landis, Sam Raimi for Sergeant Raimi, and Steve Miner, who is Mr. Miner, the janitor, as well as Corman University, which was a clear homage to the legendary Roger Corman. I love this stuff. I think it's great. This movie is an homage to everything. It's yes. genres, you know, directors. It it really is. It's just a pay tribute. And it's it's a love letter. It is, yeah. Yep. No, I, I love it. I, I honestly, I, I ate the shit up in this. I thought it was great. It also gives a nod to early, uh, like, 1920s crime novelist 
Uh, yep. Raymond Chandler, who was basically Ray Cameron's character in a nutshell. Oh, okay. If you weren't uh, paying attention, there was a book laying on Tom Atkins' lap when he wakes up from his nightmare at the beginning. It's called The Little Sister by Raymond Chandler. But his uh, books, huh. his books, his books all featured a cynical, world-weary, wise, cracking private investigator, much like we have with the character Tom Atkins in this. Oh, and that's his, so cool, man! And his name was Ray, also. That's cool, man. Hell yeah! I didn't see that. All, all I saw in the movie was um, there's like a little de- there's a detective magazine that's standing that's behind uh, detec- Detective Cameron. Uh, Maybe that has something to do with it, too. I don't know. Sure. Yeah, maybe. But I think, yeah, it wasn't that book, though. Hey, King. Hey. That was a nugget. Was that a nugget? That was a nugget. (laughs) Where's my my calendar? I got a market on the calendar. King of the Road had a nugget. There you go. Nice one. Did you have it, Matt? No, I did not. Oh, okay, cool. Cool. Yeah. Nuggets around. Robert Kurzman and Greg Nicotero have stated that the alien slugs were just sculptures with um, slot cars underneath them. You slot mean Hot Wheels? Cars. You like Hot Wheels? Well, it's a slot car. It's like the little track metal magnet track yeah. cars you had back in the eighties. Oh. It kind of it explains the movement of them because they are pretty like fast and uh, jittery. Yeah. It works for that, yeah. So those are those are called slot cars. It's slot cars, yeah. I never knew what to call those. I had those uh, when I was a kid. Actually, I had two tracks. I had one that was like off road, and it came with like uh, uh, these like little plastic boulders. They were supposed to be, and you're supposed to put them in the middle of the track, and they burst through them. And then I had another one that was uh, they were just it was a regular racetrack with uh, Firebirds. They were different colors. But I, I love those things. Those things are so cool. Tyco never, made a bunch of them. Tyco, yeah, that, that's where they were both from, actually. Oh yeah, dude, that's now, so cool. Slot cars. I didn't know that's what they were cars, called. These cars did it have the the racetrack with like the metal slab down the fucking well, middle? If they shit? did, you couldn't see them. They did a pretty good job of disguising that. Right on. But the movements I, I remember, look right. Right on. You could totally see, like, in some of the scenes, you could you could see where, uh, you know, like a lot, of, I noticed a lot on the grass scenes, you could see where, like, the wire was kind yeah. of pulling it because like, you could see the movement in the grass, but they said I'll allow grass, it. I don't care. They, yeah, they did that with the, the grass scenes. They just had a fishing wire and somebody pulling on it for those. Yeah. But on flat surfaces, they used the slot cars. Anyway, not a big deal. No, it's pretty cool, though. Oh, yeah. Tom Atkins came up with the idea to have Detective Cameron stop and smell the rose in the scene walking into the sorority house. In an interview on the Blu-ray, Atkins stated that of all the films he's starred in, this is his personal favorite. Fred Decker has said he'd make a proper sequel if Tom Atkins would return. I'd be down for that. I love that he stopped and smelled the rose and actually just paused and took time to appreciate it. I was like, hell yeah, dude. I, well, I dig it. This guy is a guy who's, yeah, he's he's at the end of his rope. You know, he's been living with this haunting, you know, nightmare of a tragedy that he experienced for he's many a loose years. Cannon. Yeah, he's, yeah, he's, <laughs> he's, he's a renegade cop, man, and 
He's he don't take shit from nobody. He's got one liners out the ass for you. And um, oh, yeah. no, he's he's just a guy who's ready to end it. You know, I, right before this scene even happened, um, he's sitting there in the, his apartment and he's playing with his lighter, and all of a sudden uh, Chris shows up, and they then they venture off to the sorority house. Well, he goes to the kitchen and the gas was on, you know, the fucking, the door, the stove and everything was wide open. Yeah. So he was going to kill himself, you know, he was, so he, for him to stop and smell the rose, it's very, you know, symbolic, some, oh my God, symbolic. And, um, he knew his time was up and, and that's okay. You know, cause no, he had killed, cool. cause he had killed the, you know, the ax guy that he had killed prior and everything. And, um, we're getting pretty this far is, ahead here. Well, I'm just saying. I mean, well, yeah. that's what I took from the smell of the roses, you know. Yeah, but uh, the talk. Go back to what you're talking about there, Dave, about uh, Fred Decker saying that he'd make a proper sequel if Tom Atkins would be down for it. Luck have it. Before we started recording, I was flipping through Facebook, and it's this is an order article. It came out October 23rd of 2019, and it's from Comet TV, but. It caught my eye. Somebody shared it on one of these groups that I'm on. Night of the Creep sequel planned with original cast. And Atkins is on here. He's quoted as saying, I would like to see Detective Ray Cameron become resurrected somehow. Fred Decker and I, every time we see each other, we talk about that. And he's determined to do a sequel with the three kids and myself. I mean, they're no longer kids. They're all in their 50s. But they're all still kicking and healthy and looking good. I would love to do that again. I love Detective Ray Cameron. Is, well, sure. So, is, oh, so they bring back JC? Uh, well, I don't know about that. I mean, he did say all three of them. I don't, right. I don't know how they do that, but yeah, it's Hollywood. Sure. Yeah. Honestly, the only way I'd be down for a sequel is if Tom Atkins is in it. Yeah, that's what I mean. That's the only way I'd be in it. To be honest, guys, I don't want a sequel. I it was good enough, and it was sure. Is fair enough. Know, yeah, right. Perfect. I, there's really no reason to do it. I understand where Tom Atkins and Fred Decker are coming from, but it really is unnecessary, and that's why I think it will never happen. You know. Listen, I, I want to bring up a good point that's relevant right now. When you see something like a Bill and Ted's new movie after how many years? Uh, sure. Right. And you realize the ship has sailed, but yet we're making the sequel anyway. That right. isn't always the best idea. I haven't seen the exactly. movie yet, but from that trailer we got, it just made me feel that way. Like, yeah, I, the ship has I, sailed. It's been thirty years, saying. you know, since yeah. they made one. So, right, yeah, ninety-one. I think it was Bogus Journey. So, yeah. hmm. So this movie, I know everybody has noticed it and referenced it before but this movie has the same line in reference to um it's not exactly verbatim but it's long along the lines of dead guys do not get up and walk by themselves um from and then it's followed by a shot of a dead guy walking down the street and this was used in a two fred decker movies this one in monster squad right which came out a year later it's kind of eerie because Stephen Mocked and Atom Atkins delivered this line almost precisely the exact same way. Even the the tone of their voice, it's it's 
very perfect. You know, I mean, it's just they're totally parallel with each other. Well, they 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 realize, you know, being you know logical, you know, sane human beings, they're like this is this is outrageous and it's ridiculous. Why are we even discussing this? You know, <laughs> you know, it's right. absurd. So yeah, no, I hear what you're saying, man. Yeah, good call. It's pretty cool that he'd use that line in two movies. You don't ever see that, really, you know? Yeah. All of K&B effects, which was Robert Kurtzman, Greg Nicotero, and Howard Berger, they all play beta zombies during the final attack sequence. And uh, Robert Kerman, who was credited as the patrolman with the searchlight, he was Professor Harold Monroe, who led the rescue mission in Cannibal Holocaust from 1980. Oh, shit. Right on. Okay. I didn't know that, actually. And Shane Black was uh, uncredited as a policeman in the police station. I want to meet Shane Black so bad. I, yeah. I really do. I hear you. He's on my list of directors and actors that I want to meet. Yeah, back when they had the Monster Squad reunion a couple years back at Horror Hound, if they would have had... You know, Fred Decker, Tom Woodruff Jr., and Shane Black. Oh wow. Oh, my God. I, yeah. I would have lost my mind, dude. Yeah, those are... Yeah. I need I need to see Fred Decker. And I've got a copy of uh, Night of the Creeps on VHS. I'm, I'm go- Next time I see Tom Atkins, it's definitely getting signed. 100%. That's the next one? I hear you. next one, yeah. I'm curious, if you had a question for Fred Decker, when you potentially get to meet him, what would it be? Oh my god, that's a on the spot moment. Off the top of uh, your head, yeah. Right off the top of my head, I would ask him what, what, why would he use those that line twice in the same in two two <laughs> movies a year apart? Why would you do that? You know what drove you to that? It's I mean, it's not really a great line. It's just it's probably an ego trip. I don't know an ego trip. Really, I don't. I don't know. Being self-referential. I, I watched the behind the scenes on this, and here in his interviews, he's real sophisticated talking, and like I don't know, he he, he impresses me as a another what's his name, Malcolm McDowell. Ah, arrogant asshole, eh? Nah, a little bit. He's not an uh, arrogant asshole. No way. Well, that's what I got <laughs> from watching his behind the scenes. Yeah, right on. Ah. Uh, there's got to be something more to it. I don't know. Maybe he's just a big fan of that shot, you know, and it's a good way to lead into it. I don't know. Maybe they're both cool. I mean, they're very, very similar, but I, 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 I dig it. I Which like one's it. better? Monster Squad. Monster Squad sticks with me more because I, I got to Monster it. Squad way more, and I got to it first. So yeah, the one with the mummy. Okay. What, yeah. What's your favorite mm. line delivery? Stephen Mocked or fucking Tom Atkins? Yes, you can. Oh, me? Yes, yes motherfucker. <laughs> Tom Atkins, man. Okay. <laughs> All day. And you're not wrong. You're not wrong. Right. I mean, it almost feels sacrilege for me to not yeah. this one, but the Monster Squad is, oh my God, it's, it's the Monster Squad. <laughs> I have to give it to Tom Atkins. But I like the next scene. I like the scene uh, from Monster Squad with the mummy walking down the street. That that's my favorite part. Yeah. So, do you think these two bind movies... those two and then boom? Huh? 
do you think these two movies take place in the same universe? I do. I 100% do. Yeah, me too. Fred Deckery. Fred Decker has a fucking a Decker universe. A Deckerverse, yeah. if you will. Yeah. No, I, I I say they are. Yeah, they fit together. This is a perfect double feature. Yeah. I mean. Well, I mean, he even has Monster Squad rules, you know. Oh, yeah. In the bathroom. And, so. Right. It says go monster, go monster Squad. Go Monster Squad, yep. Yeah. What you about know, Striker? Striker rules. rules. Yeah. yeah. That was a, like, band? Yeah, they were like a Christian, like, 80s hair band. Yeah. There was some uh, kind of nugget behind that, like, they used it. Yeah, there is. I'm actually trying to pull it up here right now. According to Fred Decker, the striper rules graffiti visible in the bathroom scene appeared due to makeup artist Kyle Sweet's relationship with future husband striper frontman Michael Sweet. That's it. Ah, self-plug. Okay. There yep. it is. Right on. Self-referential. There you go. Yeah. Gratuitous self-referential. <laughs> Shame. I'm really surprised that Decker didn't use uh, Stephen Kane as a reference among well, the other directors and everything. He got to it <laughs> in Monster he Squad. He actually did. Right, Monster Squad. Yeah. But, you know, I, I wonder why he couldn't fit it in. It was it, more it, it, than an Easter egg in Monster Squad. I mean, he... He made a, a legendary shirt out of it. So. Sure, sure. Yeah. That's probably he probably that's probably uh, from Backlash. <laughs> oh yeah, probably. How come Stephen King's wouldn't reference? Right. You you fucking throw in Steve Miner, but you don't put in Stephen King. What the right, fuck man. is wrong with you? Right. <laughs> Steve Miner. All right, I'm gonna front wanna, page. I'm I mean, he was a janitor. My next movie. He was a janitor, so I mean, it would be kind of a shitty thing. You know, to reference a, Kane to a janitor. So I think it, it kind of. Steve Miner's okay. He's but he's no fucking Romero. He's no Hooper. He's no fucking Cronenberg. You know. This is this is eighty six Miner. You know. So I don't know. Maybe they were friends. You know. Maybe. Friday the thirteenth was a hot ticket item right at this time. So. Yeah. And his Decker, name was attached to a lot of them. Decker gives out more Easter eggs than the Easter Bunny does, though. I mean, he probably. <laughs> <laughs> probably gives out more Easter eggs than Oprah gives out cars, so that's hilarious. So I actually I have a I have a nugget uh, here for oh, you okay. here for uh, some behind the scenes stuff. So on the opening day of the movie, the first they say two hundred or so people uh, that were in line to see it, they were issued an anti scream mask to prevent the slugs from entering one's mouth, which was basically just a surgical mask with the Night of the Creeps logo on the front of it. Uh, I've actually seen one of those. I've actually seen one of those. Somebody had it. Um, oh, it's yeah? Collection. Um, wow. It's fucking uber sweet. I wish I had it. There's a few things from movie releases that I'd want. There's a... Um, shit. I can't remember the movie, but there was a barf bag. That um, they gave. Oh, they did out. a lot of them. Yeah, I, I want to get that. Um, this Night of the Creeps. Uh, there's there's a bunch of them, man. It's no dude. That Night of the Creeps thing, dude. That's gotta be like a holy grail. I mean, if there's yeah. only two hundred or so made, yeah. I mean, holy shit, yeah. man. Yeah, I know I mean, somebody a... who's who's got a um, he's got a house to the the little caterpillar dog. Um, oh, he's man. got he's got the action figure for it. It's there's awesome. a toy. There was a toy made. You can get them. Who made like, it? What? There's a about, toy. 
Yeah, there is a toy. It's about two hundred and fifty bucks. Oh man, to, I want that. Wow, I want it too. And he said he'd sell it to me, <laughs> but I don't. I just don't have the funds yet. <laughs> oh man. But yeah, but man, yeah. they they use a straight up old like old school William Castle gimmick, you know, yep. which is I cool, know. man. I, I I again, I dig that. I dig it. I like that well, a lot. Well, it obviously didn't work because <laughs> the fucking box yeah. office sucks. You know, I I don't understand that, but. We haven't even mentioned yet that Decker does direct or doesn't direct. He writes the stories for House One and Two. Did you guys know that? There you go. That's why he has that, I suppose. <laughs> Good call, man. So speaking of Easter eggs, Dave, I know that uh, you're, you're saying that the Easter Bunny, your Decker hands out Easter eggs more than the Easter Bunny. Um, did you catch the subtle nod to National Lampoon's European Vacation in this movie? I don't know, if, I, Hitchhikers. If you if you've <laughs> caught it, let me know. Did you catch it, Dave? I did not. I'm anxious okay. to hear this one. So I, picked up I feel one. like I'm gonna be I'm gonna feel stupid when you say it, but yeah, I'm ready for it. It's it's all right. Um, but JC and Chris are in their dorm room listening. JC's listening to music, and Chris is doing his shit and he's trying to do his stuff quietly. And JC's listening to music with his headphones, and he's. He's singing out loud and he's banging the uh, with his pencil. He's playing the drums and everything. It's kind of like what he's not doing. Blitzkrieg like, Bop, is he? I don't think he's doing Blitzkrieg <laughs> Bop. No. But, okay. But he is. He's acting just like Russ did in uh, European Vacation on the way over to Europe on the plane. Yeah. Well, yeah on, on the, the plane. No, no, on the no train. It was on the the train. Oh, was it? Yeah. What? No. Yeah. It was on the plane. It was on the train. What yep. on train? It was okay. on the train because then Chevy Chase retaliated with the, the ashtray lid. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. No, no, I'm one. Fuck, now I got to go back and watch it. Damn yeah, I it. thought it was the plane, too. I, I think it's the was... plane. I think it's the plane. I thought but it was, I could be was playing Blitzkrieg Bob. Well, yeah, on the plane. JC's not playing Blitzkrieg Bob, but. Um... The actions. Yeah. I yeah. understand what you're saying. I'm just saying yeah. that's where I thought that was in the European vacation. I don't know. I it might not even be uh, a meant to be Easter egg. It just happened to be. Uh, I don't know, man. I I think it was. I believe it was because I picked up on that too. Right. And I was like, man, he's, he's he totally looks over just like Chevy Chase. Like, oh my god, annoyed <laughs> as fuck. Yep. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I I think that was on purpose, man. So the opening is so nice, Decker decides to do it thrice, not twice, thrice. My God, you get an alien sci-fi opening, you get your 50s montage kind of opening, and then you get your present-day opening. Which yeah. yeah, I honestly thought I was getting great. an anthology right off the gate here. I mean, <laughs> and these endings uh, were very good. True that. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's actually more one of the more unique opens and or starts to a movie you know with the the aliens in space on the spaceship open and then the the black and white that's the thing in the 50s you know part of it it's all in black and white you know which yeah. is kind of like what the what like honestly i like, I like it when what, what am that, i watching I no like i do too it's like the hot pink and you know glow in the dark subtitles colors against yeah, the yeah. black and white backdrop that looks pretty cool yeah. matt probably didn't appreciate that but yeah, it's like uh, I can't see shit. It's all gray to me. It's all fucking blending in perfectly. It's all <laughs> black and white to me. Yep. Um, but uh, no, no. I, I, I have a question cool. about the alien part. 
aspect. Okay. So I know that for the sake of film, they have to include it, you know, to make the story progress. But what's up with this rogue renegade fucking alien, dude? Why is he unleashing this experiment and making it leave the spaceship? What What's up, you know? Well, if you pay attention to its eyes versus the other ones, they're different. They're clouded over. So he's already taken over so by, taken over by the, the slugs. I think it's it's survival. Get it out okay. there, let it spread. I think that's what the okay. That's that's what that purpose was. That's what I took away from that. And by okay. the way, these aliens, they just uh, to me, they just really look like uh, naked, pissed off Cabbage Patch kids. Mm. <laughs> you mean garbage pail kids? Yeah, that too. Yeah, kids. basically. <laughs> I mean, garbage pail kids were the nasty version of the Cabbage Patch kids. Right. So. Yep. Dude, I just totally remember the smell of opening up one of the packs of those cards right now. That is so weird. That is so weird. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. Our, young, our younger listeners have no fucking clue what we're talking about right now. Yeah, they really are clueless. I, unfortunately, I don't have any car, uh, Garbage Pail Kids uh, cards, but I have a couple packs of the old school um, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle Tops cards um, with the oh, yeah. pieces inside. Oh, okay. yeah. I've got like ten or twelve of those packs. Nice. I might open up one. That Don't eat the gum. Pro- that gum is probably just—it's very hard, and it'll just break and turn into crumble. Yeah, oh, yeah. turn into powder. Yeah. Yeah, your saliva is never enough. You cannot—you cannot moisten <laughs> one of those pieces of gum. Gonna back have up. a chemical breakdown. So if I don't There's... break it and I just let it sit there and just get moist, you figured it. It wouldn't go back. Put it in the microwave. Put it in the microwave. It's bread. No. (laughs) (laughs) If you microwave it with bread for like 20 seconds, I guarantee it'll soften up. (laughs) That was the worst fucking gum in the world, too, though. Even when you got it when it wasn't hard as a brick. That or fruit stripes. Oh, Uh, yeah. Fruit stripe. Yep. (laughs) So, okay. One other thing here about the open. It's, It's with the title credits. Okay. Is the Creeps font in the Night of the Creeps, is that the Creep Show font? I don't think so. It's because similar, but it's I see the not. similarity. Okay, yeah. it's just enough to copy the homework and change sure. enough of the ma- – okay, yeah. all right, because it, I was like – It's like it fucking really Vanilla like Ice doing Ice Ice Baby to fucking Queen and David Bowie's Under Pressure, you know? Sure. That's that's changed up just enough. That's a weird comparison. No, I'll go with it. <laughs> Hitchhikers will, okay. will appreciate that. Fair pool, old man. <laughs> so you guys care for the look of these slugs that we got in the movie? Hey, man. Uh, parasites. This is, this is a fucking cheese movie if I've ever seen one. And I like my cheese. Yeah. Except for Fumunda cheese. I'm not a fan of that. But... <laughs> Fucking man. yeah! I dig I dig the slugs, man. It's 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 awesome, man. It's great. I love That's, when they go shooting out of the mouth and shooting into the mouth. It's they they don't want shot. it. They don't show too much, right? Because it's so bad, <laughs> you know. Which is great to me. So they 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 appreciate and they know what they're filming, and they're self aware. Yeah, and it's and it's great, you know. These are just one of those things that I 
am uncomfortable with when watching a movie with this kind of theme. Uh, it's just that that thing could be anywhere at any time, and it's fast moving. It could yeah. get in your your ass or in your mouth without you know a moment's notice, and you're fucked. Yeah. And so yeah. because of that, I'm like uncomfortable as hell with this kind of <laughs> derivative. <laughs> you don't uh, think I hear you, man. It? You don't think you'd make it if there's a bunch of slugs and shit? No, I mean I got a pretty good clinch on my asshole. I'm sure I'm not trying to brag. I'm just positive that I could I could maintain that that hole and you know keep my mouth shut. That might be hard. Get a lot of duct tape. Yeah. Tape all, just, tape all your hey, holes. Tape off, tape off all the orifices. I, I hope the thing wouldn't try to crawl up my dick hole or up my nose. Uh, but it, uh, it could happen. Right. Yeah. No, I hear you, man. I get what you're saying because it is. It's it's a really it's unsettling if you think about it. It's that invasion. You don't want anything to get inside of you. You know, yeah. you don't it's 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 very icky and very just ugh. Unclean. You know? Yeah. Forever yeah. unclean. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, buddy. No, I get that. And it's like, you know, movies like this, like Shivers or uh, Slither, you know, that came yeah, out Slither, uh, here yeah. fairly recently. I mean, here's the thing. If there, if you enjoyed Slither, which I did a lot, to be honest with you, and you haven't seen this, you need to fix that like right now, because without this movie, there is no Slither, in my opinion. Well, when was Slugs made? Yeah, that that that's a good I question. was set. That was 70s, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I believe so. 70, 78, something like that? 77? I was thinking, thinking mid late 70s. It was 88, eight, boys. 88? 88. What? Okay. Oh, no, that's I'm the fine. one where uh, the cover, it's of the woman, and she's got like a, a blood trickle coming from her mouth, and she's like laying on like a bathroom tile. Okay, yeah, that was a cool cover. I like that cover art. All right. Okay, so, so what am I? Th- I'm thinking of Squirm then, maybe. Squirm, that's it. Yep, Squirm. That's yeah, old. Okay. Yeah. That's uh, Jeff Lieberman, if I'm not mistaken, did uh, directed Just Before Dawn. Uh, Squirm was in '76. Okay. So. Okay. But uh, going back to what you started off talking about here, uh, with Ketchum talking about the. Uh, effects and you know how it kind of looks bad and everything my question is this i'll ask you guys this both do you think they did it to their fullest capabilities or did they draw back and tried to make it look campy and cheap on purpose do we know this one way or the other i'm satisfied with it i am to be one or the other they are self-aware they they're they're taking jabs at themselves the entire time throughout this movie. They know what they're making. It's an, it's paying homage to genres and, you know, and everything, you know, to directors and just the way that movies are shot. It's, you know, it, so yeah, definitely dude. They know exactly yeah. what they're doing with this film. Okay. Okay. I mean, it's silly at times, you know. You get the you get the 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 young scientist guy played by uh, oh, David shit. Pamer. David Pamer. Yep. yep. So, and after he he awakens, you know, he's bleeding and everything. He's walking down the hallway, and there's a, a security guard. He walks right by him with his head down. He's like, "Good evening," or something like that, or "Have a good night." Right. And he doesn't even notice him. You know, it's 
It, it knows what it's doing. Yeah, definitely. With how it's shot and everything. Come on, man. Those those shots with the the, the cat and the dog, the faces me- melting and everything, and you know, looking all sluggish and yeah. Come on, man. Nicotero at this point has made some really cool things, you know, K and B effects. So, dude, if they really wanted to hit a home run with the slugs, they could have. Okay, I was just curious because, like I said, I, I didn't look into that to know if they, you know, did that intentionally or not, and if that wasn't known, what did you guys I, think? So that that's all curious. personal opinion. That's all personal opinion, but okay. What do you think? I feel like they did it intentional on certain things, but okay. some you think of it. They're I trying felt, on other. Yeah, like on some of the head splits, I think they. Okay, that's cool. Yeah, some of his head splits were pretty nice though. Yeah, they're pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. Especially the okay. first one, you know, when the, with the uh, the guy from the fifties when he comes back out of the cryo state and he's against the window, you know, that's. That's, right. I mean, it's short and quick, but it's effective and it yep. looks fucking good, dude. You know, so yep. Brad's was pretty cool. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I like that a lot. So we get an incredibly legendary performance by Tom Atkins, in my opinion, <laughs> when it comes Agree. to this. Agree. Um, this guy is, he's making a statement. To arguably be the cane of one-liners in all of cinematic history with this one film, and yeah. oh, man. fucking hell yeah, nobody else could have played this part. And there could have been a list and all that shit, and you could have just set it on fire for all I care because this is what you get. And damn it, this role was made for him. Perfect. No <laughs> I have to agree. I can't picture anybody else playing this. I mean, this is this is tailor-made. For the mustache. I mean, is there anything more iconic than Tom Atkins in black shades wearing a white fucking tuxedo, sitting on the beach, sipping a mixed drink out of a coconut? I mean, I don't care. It was a little dream montage. I don't care. That was badass. That's awesome. That That is so awesome. I mean, it really is. I mean, and like you're talking about with his quotes, I mean, he has so many in this. You know, it's Miller time. Thrill me. (laughs) Thrill me. Does any, wait, does anybody have a thrill me count? How many times? Uh, does I say? think it's oh. well three times, and then uh, he, he says it three times, and Jason Lively, uh, Chris, he says, he says it, it once. The once, okay. Yeah. Only three times. Three uh, times. Wrong. What is it? He says it five times. Five Chris times. Chris says okay. it once. Yes. Okay. He says it five times. You okay, I was gonna say thrill me count. Okay, nice. Right. I was gonna say I thought three was a little low. Five, okay. All right, five. now I, thought... I, I got another count for you, King. <laughs> okay. How many fuck did he shoot six times or seven times in the end with uh, his revolver? I what counted happened? seven. I counted seven. It was seven. Yep. Because the one shot where it's Miller time. Yep. Then yep. when he did that fast spin, killed those three. Yep. It was six shots then. So. He fired okay. seven times, I tell you. Yeah, I'll tell you <laughs> what. How, I, Halloween I, two seven count. I was sort of guessing because I did like I did recognize once those gunshots went off, like I, I started thinking at that point how many shots was that? Because <laughs> I always go back to that six shots right. thing. And uh, I felt like it was one too many, but I didn't rewind it to double check, so like I was totally guessing, but 
it felt like one one too many to be six. <laughs> yeah, that motherfucker was only a six shot for sure. But he fired seven times. So yeah, we did get a Halloween two seven shot count. <laughs> nice. But a few but other yeah. quotes of his that were pretty awesome is uh of course the uh, I've got good news and bad news, girls. <laughs> the good well, news is your dates are here. Bad news is they're dead. They're dead. It's with awesome. The, with the cigarette dangling out of his mouth while he says it. Yeah, buddy, man, just yeah. awesome. Hey, just Tom Atkins, man, he's so awesome in this. And another and another line, you know, for which makes this movie, you know, completely self-aware. I mean, it's it's what is it? Uh, what is this? A homicide or a bad B movie? You know? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's this yeah. fucking movie is fully aware of what it's doing, dude. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> yeah. I'll tell you one that actually was kind of haunting. I, I thought was really good was where he's uh, telling uh, Chris about what happened back in '59, where he said the the guy's body was in the woods 20 yards from the car. My partner yep. found him. I found the girl. I found her in the car and the road and the woods. Dude, it's it's ominous, man. It's just kind of like, yeah. oh, I'm drawn in, dude. I'm totally I'm he he's got me hook line and sinker right there, man. And with the music going, it's 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 cool. I like that. I I really I really like that line. Yeah, but yeah, did Tom too, Atkins is yeah. he's 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 incredible here. This is this is a great performance in my opinion. You know, I had a question with uh, Ray, Tom Atkins, and Ray, the police officer at Lover's Lane at the very beginning scene. That is the same that is supposed to represent young Tom Atkins? That is him. That's him. Yeah, I that thought is, so. Yep. Okay. So he used to be a cop, and we get yep. that yeah, flashback, he was, too. He was two weeks on the job. Yeah. Right. Actually, so but when we see him in the flashback or the dream sequence, it's right. he's old. Present Older day. Tom Atkins, yeah, but yeah. he's in he's in the same scene as the fifty nine. That, well, that right there, you know, signifies that you know he can't. He's living in the past, and yeah, so it's reliving it over and over again. Yeah, that's okay. fair. I thought that too. And usually, when you dream, you dream of, of your current state, not your your past self and everything. Right. You know, so. yeah. So the uh, social oblivion. In the '80s versus social oblivion today, what do you guys think when when someone's walking in a police station and a cop passes you while looking down at his notes and tells you to have a good night and says your name and it's not even you know it's a the naked fucking zombie. It's not even that guy and he didn't even pay attention. But you know nowadays these kids with their cell phones and I'm guilty <laughs> of it too. You know you check your phone while you're walking or something. Right, it's almost like for today's society, you'd have almost kind of an excuse, right? You know, and I think they kind of touched on that a little bit with Shaun of the Dead, which I thought was yeah, that was that was genius. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, even with the the fifties guy after he gets thawed out, just like strolling around, like nobody nobody sees this guy. Why do they even Um, have a fucking lab with a frozen cadaver? In the college because dorm, because you got because you gotta. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, I just love to bring it up. Do you want a movie or not? <laughs> <laughs> Why did Alien Renegade Rogue fucking release the experiment? You know, right? I mean, it's exactly. gotta happen. Yeah, right. It's like they I were ditching it. it because the other aliens were after it, and they were like, "We gotta ditch the fucking you know canister." Right. 
I don't know. It's it's just cheese gold, man. And sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I don't ask for explanations. Again, I'm a cheap date, right. so I'll allow it. <laughs> I just thought I'd bring it up. Oh, definitely, man. All right, so in the uh, the scene in the uh, bathroom stall with JC, which ultimately you know begins the end of his demise, and this uh, you know obviously we've already kind of talked about it with the uh, graffiti on the walls, but be honest, have either of you ever written anything on a shit house wall? Truth. Yes. Oh. <laughs> I knew <Okay>. you would. <laughs> I, well, yeah. I have. I mean, I, I, have I wrote down a number of somebody who I didn't like <laughs> on the wall, you know? For a good time call. Right. Bradster. <laughs> <laughs> I partied with the Bradster. Check him out. This is the number. <laughs> five, five, five. Oh, that's, that's hilarious. For a good time call, Dave, King of the Road. <laughs> <laughs> right? That's probably what he that's wrote. Definitely a trucker. <laughs> Man, I just put that. Have you ever put anything on a wall there, Kane? Um, I'm the saint of the group here. I think I have never put anything on a bathroom wall. I've never even considered like, what would I write on a bathroom wall? Dude, you're an artist. If anybody should be doing something on a wall, it's you, brother. You should. I should (laughs) just draw like a little lighthouse or something. You know? Yeah, yeah. Then like, and then like. so draw a beautiful lighthouse and then you stand there like taking a shit on it. Like put, on, sh- yeah, put shit happens. Right. Put shit happens on it. Yeah. <laughs> wow. I'm okay. actually kind of surprised by this because you know just for that very reason, I figured you were a shoe in that you would have done something like this. No, but you know what? I think, I think I'm putting this on my bucket list. <laughs> this is going on the bucket list. Do it to a restaurant oh, yeah. or someplace you just don't do give a shit about. No, I'm going to do it out of town. I'm going to do it somewhere far uh, from okay. uh, the West Virginia high border. And uh, okay. yeah, it's on my bucket list. Okay. All right. Cool. Oh yeah. Don't don't put my number down or don't put Matt's down. <laughs> yeah, please don't. Put well, somebody uh, you hate. Put somebody you hate. It's more. I'll definitely, fun. I'll definitely put a link to the King Art Facebook page so that you know, yeah, there you go. If they, if they like my handiwork, they can <laughs> buy some awesome artwork. And if you yeah. like movies and podcasts, <laughs> also check out. <laughs> oh awesome. man, yeah, have you ever done anything, Matt, on the wall? Oh yeah, I have. I have okay. more than once. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh wow. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't like, you know, I wasn't like serial with it or anything, but uh, I remember uh, I I actually copied it from one that I saw in some bathroom stall that was funny. It was a poem, and it was, uh, here I sit straining my pooper trying to give birth to an Ohio State trooper. (laughs) Oh, man. What the fuck? And it struck me as funny. It still does today because I'm child at heart. And uh, I wrote it on the uh, one of the bathrooms in the field house at PHS. How dare you, sir? <laughs> there it is. There it is. Oh, my God. Right on. That is cool. I've done yep. it. At, well, I don't want to state where I where I where and how many times they, I'll tell you, I was drunk every single time. <laughs> oh, so, all right. There you go. All right. Yeah, I can tell you, Mayor, that the uh, the custodial staff at Parkersburg High School 
is very timely on covering up those uh, graffitis with paint. So I promise you, your your graffiti Not on the bathroom the wall has been covered at least. 172 times since you did yeah yeah but not back in the day they didn't so it stuck around for a little bit yeah <laughs> and i didn't semester and to, and to be clear i did it on the wooden door i didn't do it on the brick okay good good so. on you they're not painting over wood so well they've, yeah they've, they've painted over everything oh did three times oh, oh yeah everything's painted red and white right on so uh, my man Dick Miller, old scruffy face, he has a kick-ass scene in this. I just love the dialogue between him and old Ray. It's I awesome. love it. Yeah, you know, Cameron, he comes in with a shit-eating grin. He knows exactly what the fuck's going to go down. Right. <laughs> He's even laughing about it. Like, it's yeah. it's awesome. It is so hilarious. And you get a really good, uh, you know, one-liner from it, too. Oh, at the requisition for him? No, he's like, what I'm going to need, going to need is uh, your standard flamethrower. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and then Dick Miller's just like, oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, we got one here in the back. And <laughs> What police armor yeah. has a fucking uh, flamethrower? That's what I'm saying, man. This They know what the fuck they're doing. <laughs> yeah. I guarantee no. you that the conversation before they went in the police station was, if this motherfucker asks me for a requisition form, so help me God. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to put this shotgun right through the fucking screen. That's hilarious. No, but you're right, man. Having Dick Miller in this, I mean, and it is just a cameo. It, it's kind of like a cherry on the Sunday. Yeah. I mean, and it, did you catch his name? It's Walt Paisley, no less, which he has played <laughs> this character's name not necessarily the character itself but characters that had this name in originally the first one was a bucket of blood uh then in hollywood boulevard the howling twilight zone the movie chopping mall and a made-for-tv movie called shake rattle and rock i don't think i've seen that one i haven't either right on that's fucking badass yeah dick miller he's the man he's the man dude so what was the his name in the burbs? Do you know? Vic. There were the two Vicks. Vic. Vic. Yeah. Vic. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. I don't know. I, I just know I wouldn't have minded seeing more Dick Miller in this. They could have extended him into the. He, he could have went with them, you know, to the scene <laughs> oh, of the crime. Here. Yes. I'd, I'd love to have seen Dick Miller in action. We happen oh. to have two flamethrowers tonight. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god, that would have been awesome. Well, I never no. thought of that king, dude. That is so cool, dude. Oh yeah, dude. Dick Miller, man. He's the man. He yeah. could have totally tagged along for that. Yes, he could have. Oh, that's a great idea. I never thought of that. That's awesome. I wish Decker would have thought of that. Right. <laughs> I know I know Dick Miller ain't charging a whole lot because he's in like every movie, so like Right. He's in he's a, a lot of movies. He's a, he's a budget actor. <laughs> right. Rest in peace, Dick Miller. Old scruffy face. Whose idea was it, anyway, to give Cynthia the flamethrower when they get to the house? I thought, fuck, I wanted to see Tom Atkins, you know, slay some shit with the flamethrower. And... Yeah, yeah, but you that, know that he's going to go in. You know he's going to go in and fucking protect the sorority girls. I'm sure. Come on, man. It's Tom Atkins. I'm surprised he didn't fucking lay one, lay one into you know, land one while he's there. Right. right. <laughs> yeah. 
That would have been a great time sake. scene. Just yeah. one you know, last time. He's going to die anyway. You know? <laughs> so, oh, my gosh. He's got a death wish, so you might as well get some before you go out. <laughs> well, Chris had it, and then I think he gave it to her. Yeah. We didn't see it. It just kind of cuts away and cuts back, too. And he's like, all right, well, here you go. Do this. It's a shotgun. You know, sometimes the kick is too much, you know, so. Yeah. Okay. Flamethrower. Uh, yeah. I want that one. <laughs> no, I like your fantasy booking, though, on Atkins laying one of the sorority girls while we cut <laughs> back to the heroes outside trying to take down the horde. And he's, you know, <laughs> distractions. You know, that's Tom Atkins, baby. Oh, I love it. If he hadn't gone inside to protect the sorority girls, we would have never got the most infamous line of the movie. Yeah, yeah. you're right. So it had to had to happen. And he got it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, so if I'm understanding this correctly, both of you guys watched the theatrical cut of this. Is that correct? I own a VHS 1986 copy of this movie. I it's only theatrical for me. <laughs> okay. What about I you? I saw the director's cut only. Oh, okay. So you watched the director's cut also, like yeah. I did. Okay. All right. So, so you, you guys got know... the extra minute. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so you know what I'm going to talk about here. So, well, if I if I hadn't, I would have went to YouTube and found out anyway. That shit's oh, okay. right there. Get on that YouTube. Yeah, so, I know, but I I want to be genuinely surprised by you guys. For all right, so. okay. that's good. But I appreciate here. the purist. <laughs> I got to keep mentality. Pure. I'm a fucking psychopath. I have to keep everything pure, <laughs> and clean, Every, everything sanitized. <laughs> God, but uh. Just so you know, in both versions, uh, it you're set up for a sequel, okay? Sure. sure. Yeah. Um, in the theatrical cut, just for anybody that's unaware, uh, once the sorority house has been blown up by uh, Cameron, Chris and Cynthia, they share a kiss, and the dog that infected all the boys on the bus... Real quick, what was up with the bus driver's face in that one that was like obviously fake? What was up with that? Just the know. campiness adding to it. I mean, because that was totally out of nowhere. But yeah. Like, yeah, you could have just definitely just shot him doing that. Right. Yeah, and it was really thing. odd, but it caught yeah. me off guard. It's, I don't know, almost out of place, but not I, I really. Dig it. I dig it, because that's that yeah. kind of movie, man, you know? Okay. All right, yeah, I, that's actually something we didn't talk about. But, okay, so, uh, but yeah, the dog from the scene that infects all the boys on the the, the beta boys on that one uh he trots up cynthia bends down pet the dog slug shoot out get in her mouth presumably killing her infecting her and the director's cut unbeknownst to everyone else cameron survives and he's all charred up he's actually yeah he's kind of like meandering (laughs) down the road and he's I mean, it's actually pretty cool makeup, to be honest. Yeah, you, you can make out his mustache and everything. The motherfucker yeah. just can't die, man. That's a just, that's a curse, dude. It's a curse. Almost. <laughs> Fuck. But he, he's stumbling out in the street, and he's falling down. Head splits open, slugs scurry around. And, oh, uh, shit. They, they end up heading towards a cemetery that's nearby, as luck and fate should have it. And uh, then you see the uh, spaceship from the beginning of the movie kind of hovering over with some searchlights kind of going around, and that takes off, and that's it. That's your ending. That's the director's cut. 
So it's going to go infect the whole cemetery. Yeah, right. And all that shit. Dude, that's awesome. Okay. So now, with, now go and watch this scene when we're done. Okay. Here. And then I want to know, I'm curious, which ending you would prefer. Because honestly, I think I like the director's cut better. Why, I, what I don't understand is why can't you have both? Well, you, you got to maintain Atkins if you ever want to have a sequel. Right, because then Cameron could survive somehow, you know, of right. course. Yeah. You know. But uh, I actually ended up getting Fred Decker's response on the – is this on the director's commentary that's on the DVD and Blu-ray? And uh, this is what he had to say uh, about when they were going to put this out on DVD and uh, talking to the studio and everything. But this is what Fred Decker had to say. This is called the director's cut, although nothing in the film is so far different from the theatrical presentation. I had a fight with the studio about the ending. They didn't quite get what you're about to see. It wasn't their fault. I showed it to them before they were ready. This is what I had originally planned. We shot it. We previewed it before the optical was done, and people didn't get it, and the studio asked me to have a cheap scare. And I always hated the cheap scare ending. I always wished that this was the real ending of the movie. And when Sony kindly came to us and said, we would like to do the DVD of Night of the Creeps, I said, can we put the ending back on? And God bless them, they said yes. Hell yeah. So there so, you have it. So on that version, you don't get the cheap scare. So so how does it end Like, uh, what, what, with the kids at least? It just shows them kissing, and then it cuts away, and then cuts away to Tom stumbling, all charred up, and yep. Okay. Yep. Huh. I wonder how he got out. (laughs) I like. Here's the thing. I think I like the director's cut ending better, but if I wanted a sequel, I like the theatrical cut better because Cameron could come back. There's my answer. Right. Yeah, he's no he's no coming back from the director's cut ending. No, he's a no. total brick of charcoal. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yep. I kind of like the ending we get in the theatrical version uh, because it fits. You get, the, you get that uncertainty, and you, like I said, you know it, this this movie is paying homage to all kinds of fucking movies. This is the way a movie like this would have ended, you know back in the day and shit with the cheap scare and everything so to maintain that kind of loyalty to what they're trying to do which i don't it's not necessarily fan service it's just uh you know it's a nod to everything mm. i i dig it you know it's right not on. bad but i understand you know that that the tom atkins ending does sound pretty badass you know it's cool yeah definitely yeah. look it up yeah it's yeah. worth a watch it's way better than, you know, just her getting infected. Yeah. I but mean, you're just... right. that the, the theatrical ending, it does fit because that's how a lot of these, like, sci-fi, you know, alien, yeah. parasitic, you know, takeover type movies, they did end. Yeah. Very ominous and, you know, usually wasn't a happy ending. And did the good guys really win in the end? You know? No, no. So just like just like the thing, you know, one of them's the fucking thing, you know, yeah. one of them's the thing, huh? <laughs> All 
Well, guys, do you have anything else we want to tack on here before we go into our uh, ratings? Or does that about cover it? Let's do it. That's all we got. All right. For me, my favorite thing about this movie is the 50s segment. And I wish we could have gotten more of that, or, you know, at least more sporadically placed throughout the movie than what we got. There's a story there that is worth telling, you know. I don't know. This would have been a little bit too long if it kind of had a two-part story involved. But I mean, this I, movie's I like only the, an hour and a half. You know, it could have yeah. been an hour forty-five. Yeah, they could have set more stuff in that period. I thought that was cool. It looked yeah. good. The aesthetics were great. They really shot and a nice-looking film. The soundtrack was really good too. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Throughout. Yeah, I agree. But, but yeah, yeah, they really placed me in that fifties setting. Nice, and I liked it. I was comfortable, and then they switched it, you know, and I was like, ah, okay, this is cool, but I'd like to see some more of that. So that, be, that being my biggest complaint, I would have tossed down my dollars to see the sequel for this, you know, made by the same people. That would have been cool. Again, you would, had to, you would have had to slice the director's cut ending and patched up uh, old Atkins. Somehow, right. So, I mean, Dude, imagine it, a sequel nowadays. Imagine a sequel with Tom sure. Atkins. It's a little late. It's like I said, it's the right. Don't don't. Tell I think the window's passed. Yeah, I yeah. I would agree. As much as I would, my heart pines for it. Sure. Uh, no. Another thirty years later. <laughs> right. Because it's kind of like the, the, the Phantasm fought the Ravager, the last entry. Honestly, it's like, uh, it didn't need to be made. It was entertaining, you know, because, I mean, I personally am a fan of the Phantasm series, but it was just one of those, like, it, it shouldn't have been made. Was the tall man in it a lot? In no. Five? I no. didn't figure he would be. More or less a cameo. Right. Yeah. That sucks. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, anyways, Nick. I'm sorry. Yeah, go sorry. ahead. Uh, you're all right. No, I say give this movie a chance if you've missed it. I mean, it's absolutely it's a diamond in the rough. Uh, I would definitely own it. Uh, it's it's loaded with like novice level '80s Easter eggs. If if you're you know a fan of all the big horror directors, you know you'll catch yeah. these things, the names, real easy. And, uh, no, I give this a seven out of ten. Seven out of ten. Yeah. Okay, that's pretty cool. much where you know basic audience audiences rated at and everything. Yep. So yeah, totally, man. When did you first watch this, Kane? Mm. It wasn't. It wasn't more than ten years ago. Okay. I was I was late to it, but not like you know. Okay. Like yes, yesterday late to it. Right. <laughs> I didn't see it when it first came out. I remember the cover and remember thinking, man, that looks like a cool movie. And just, you know, never getting around to it for a long time. Yeah. But, All right. Yeah. Seven Great out of ten. Right on. Cool. I like it just a smidge more because, like I said, it's a it's a movie that is self-aware. And it's There's so many genres to this movie. You get your action you get horror, of course. You get your sci-fi. You get your drama. You get crime drama and all that stuff. You know, the old school 50s. Uh, not necessarily like the Maltese Falcon kind, but you almost get that, you know, with that 
50s vibe. No, this I'm a fan of cheese, and this movie gives me all the cheese I can ask for. Tom Atkins' delivery is just phenomenal. I mean, I know it's basic writing and just sharp jabs at people and smarky, snarky re- remarks, but, you know, that's that's cool, and he plays the part perfectly. He plays a pissed-off cop who has who doesn't take, you know, no prisoners and has no time for bullshit, you know? He's there to fucking it. he's there to fucking take care of business. Where you got where's two bodies? Oh, you only got one. Well, somebody miscalculated. Let me show you how fucking easy this counts too. <laughs> you know. I love yeah. this shit, man. You know, he's it's just fucking fantastic. Um and the special effects, I can get by it because they know what they're doing, you know. K and B would have delivered if they had one and two. I'm telling you those wires that you see in the grass and everything, that shit's left there deliberately. I, I, you know, those little subtle so things, too. they are, man. They, they really are. Yeah. Um, so that being said, this thing has a little nostalgia factor for me because it was kind of a movie that I wasn't allowed to watch when I first, when my parents first got it, and it made me more intrigued to watch it. You know, after that, and uh, I watched it probably. You know, 10 years later, you know, I, I watched it when I was like 15, 16 years old um, and I fell in love with it as soon as I you know, watched it because, man, it's it's just so funny, you know. Um, but that being said, I guess I got a little nostalgia factor to my rating. It's an eight for me, boys. It, it's just oh, a, yeah. that kind of fun movie. You know, it's if I'm going to watch this kind of. Yeah, it's gonna be, this is going to be it. Eight oh, out of yeah, ten dude. for me, guys. Awesome. Cool. Okay. I remember watching this for the first time when I was around 20, 21 years old. So that had been 2000, 2001 time frame. And I knew that I didn't dislike it, but I didn't really know where to place it with all the other movies that I had seen at that time. Because like you've talked about, you know, it's got a lot of different things going on. We got different timelines, flashbacks. Is this a slasher? Is this an alien infestation flick? Is this supposed to be funny, et cetera? You know, all that so, is a yes. <laughs> right. Yeah. It turns out. But, you know, so in short, it kind of confused me. So it just went to the wayside for a few years. So fast forward a few more years and I come back to it. And that's when I started to get what Decker and company were going for. And then after realizing that he directed one of my favorite childhood movies with the Monster Squad, that helped also. Right. And that's probably why it bombed in the box office, to be honest. It probably was a very confusing movie to some. Sure. Yeah, I, 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 I would agree with that because it's kind of like, well, what is this movie? You know? Right. Well, first yeah. off, you open it up with the sci-fi you know, aspect and right. then immediately a 50s thing. Yeah, where are you going with this? You know, right. The first 20 minutes, you don't even see Tom Atkins, you know, right. so what the fuck? You know, and when so, you yeah. do, he's sitting on the beach in a white tux. You're like, what the fuck am I watching? And then all of a right sudden, now? he's not, you know, and then all of a sudden, he's back in the 50s, and all of a sudden, he's not, you know, it's just, so yeah, sure. I can see why people wouldn't want to stick around, I guess, back then. But look, I don't want to say you're wrong if you claim to love horror movies and you think that this movie isn't at the very least good or entertaining. I mean, but what the hell do you want? I mean, <laughs> Much like Bubba Hotep, The Burbs, Nothing But Trouble, Silent Rage, 
you get a sprinkling of almost everything from comedy, horror, science fiction, action, romance, and most of all, cheese. Glorious, yep. glorious cheese, baby. Um, that fountain of cheese right here. Yeah, it is buddy. a fucking fountain. Porn. Yes, it is. <laughs> triple tier, Dave. It's triple tier. <laughs> Kobe Jack? No. Fucking Monterey Jack. <laughs> Monterey Jack. Right. <laughs> I don't know which Jack we got here. We're getting the Jack one way or another. With some Gouda. So fucking good. That's why. <laughs> but you get a really nice score from Oscar nominated composer Barry Devorzon. Uh, he did the Warriors, Xanadu, Mischief. Your one of your nice. favorites, Dave, oh, and Xanadu. Exorcist Three. What was the last yeah. one? Exorcist Three. Exorcist Three. Okay. Yeah. Man, I, Xanadu. I have that uh, soundtrack on record. <laughs> wow. Isn't that like that an now. Olivia Newton-John like musical yeah. or something? Yeah, it's like uh, she roller skates and shit. It's cool. So he compiled oh. the soundtrack, or he composed the music? Composer. Okay, because, I mean, the soundtracks to most of those movies you named are amazing soundtracks, right. but not because of his contribution, I don't think. Yeah, it's the, the the actual score. Right, yeah. All right, maybe it's all right. But if you can't have fun with this movie, we probably can't be friends. Just saying. <laughs> yeah. You know? I consider this one part Roger Corman and one part John Hughes. You, you really do get a nice blend of both of these directors' influences and styles throughout the movie, and I think it works really well on a highly enjoyable level for me. It never takes itself too seriously, yet it really doesn't shy away from dabbling with the silliness and over-the-top moments either. And I think it's that interesting combination that makes this movie so damn fun and interesting. Mm -hmm. Tom Atkins is great here. One of my favorite roles he's ever taken on here with Detective Cameron. It's his middle age, don't give a fuck what you think badassery that gives some poor son of a bitch like myself hopes that when and if shit ever goes sideways, you've got that mofo on lockdown because you've been given the blueprints from the mustache Tom Atkins himself. Nice. He's such a loose cannon. I love it. He is. It's <laughs> awesome. It's beautiful, man. It's awesome. Uh, Jason Lively is Chris. I still want to call him Rusty. He's the lovelorn spaz turned hero. He was pretty fun to watch paired with his wingman, JC. Um, I read some stuff where uh, there's a line of thought that there was some homosexual undertones with the duo. I don't I, see I, it. Come on. Get the, no, come I, on. I can, I can kind of see in some certain moments what they're saying. Not that it has any relevance in the movie, but uh, it's <laughs> no nightmare, too. I can tell you that much. No, it's a little more subtle than that, but I, I, I get where uh, what they're saying with that. JC tells him he loves him, doesn't he, at one point? Right. Yeah, in the recording, I think. When yeah. He's, when he's he already, knows he's dying. He's already yeah. dead. He's already dead, actually. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Just didn't know it yet. Right. <laughs> well, no, no he but, knew. <laughs> right. But uh, the rest of the cast, I feel like they fall in line and they do their jobs. Uh, Alan Kayser, I think he was exceptional as the uh, lead douchebag with Bra as Brad. I, I wanted to punch his face. I, I really you. did. Uh, I just bought the collector's edition Blu-ray from Scream Factory with both a theatrical and director's cuts, and it's awesome. I highly recommend it. I'm in that weird phase of my movie collecting where I'm buying anything new to me on Blu-ray while still maintaining my large DVD collection. Um, you know, but 
uh, well, while in quarantine, I kind of went a, went on a bit of a shopping spree, and uh, it, it it really hasn't stopped. I just picked up the uh, the five disc seven movie Blu-ray of the Nightmare on Elm Street franchise collection uh-huh. with all the extra trimmings for thirty bucks on Amazon, which is a steal, basically fifty percent off. But uh, anyways, I highly recommend buying the Scream Factory Blu-ray of this if you haven't already. Watch this, rewatch this, buy this, enjoy and appreciate all that this movie is. Moviegoers in the summer of 86 were wrong. This is a 7.5 out of 10 for me. I, I truly enjoy this movie. Hell yeah, man. I'm glad you fucking Super guys fun. enjoyed it. Yeah, this is, this is one of my... It's one of my favorite 80s movies. Oh, yeah. When it comes to just off the wall, like this, The Burbs, these are the movies I'm going for, man. And it's just a good movie to just have playing on in the background, too, you know? Absolutely, yeah. You can't go wrong with it. And it's got titties, boys. It does. How many pairs of titties has it got there, Dave? Uh, Get that count? I didn't do a titty count. Uh, Three count. Three. Three. I want to call it three. Three, three pairs. Yeah, okay. There we go. Three? Okay. Three pairs. We got Cynthia's and we got two randoms in the shower, right? Yep. Exactly. Here we are. Boom. One was there almost a side boob, and then it turned right at the end into some titty. So, yeah. <laughs> this is a fun one to review, guys. Yeah, absolutely it was. Great recommendation. This whole month, this was this was a lot of fun, guys. Yeah. Yep. Great movies. All right, Hitchhikers, well, we got a podcast that we want to make sure you guys are aware of. Uh, Justin Ramsey, along with his younger sister, Aaron Scaletta, are kicking off their own horror movie review podcast that has a planned debut on Thursday, July 9th, and the podcast is called Raised in Horror, the Psycho Sibling Podcast, and they will be reviewing Friday the 13th Part 6, Jason Lives, from 1986. I'll say this, all of us here... I know we cannot wait to hear this breakdown of Jason Libs from the uh, <laughs> Psycho Siblings. That's a hell of a one to start off with. Yeah, yeah it's a good uh, yeah. one. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But you can follow them on Facebook and on Twitter. Their handle is at Raised in Horror, and they're on Instagram as well. And Aaron and Justin, uh, they have asked the listeners to share their personal memories of this Camp Slasher classic, so hit them up. Uh, on either Facebook or Twitter or on Instagram, and uh, you may have a chance to have your comments discussed on the show. So there's some new exciting stuff for you uh, heading down the highway, hitchhikers. So uh, make sure you check them out. Aaron Scaletta, Justin Ramsey, Raised in Horror, the Psycho Siblings podcast. Coming at you Thursday, July 9th with Friday the 13th Part 6, Jason Lives, for Episode 1 on all your favorite podcasting apps. I'm telling you, I was fucking pissed at the beginning of that movie. <laughs> yeah, I was Why? pissed at Tommy. I was pissed at Tommy Jarvis, dude. Yeah, because he's Tommy a fucking idiot. Bed. He's yeah, dumb. He he should have <laughs> listened to Horshack. It was still one of the coolest visuals of the entire franchise. Sure, I can't disagree with that either. Fuck mm-hmm. man. Oh. Yeah, we'll get there, guys. Yeah, yeah we'll get there. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Hitchhikers, this concludes our review of Night of the Creeps from 1986. We hope you all enjoyed our breakdown of this now iconic 80s horror sci-fi comedy classic. And we hope you enjoyed our entire It It Came from Late Night TV month. month. 
theme for the month of June. And also check out episode 39, Silent Rage from 1982, and episode 40, Sss, from 1973. You can find us on Facebook at Nostalgia Highway Podcast. Be on the lookout for announcements and updates, and make sure you visit the King Art Facebook page, where you can find all kinds of amazing work from the King himself. You can email the show at nostalgiahighwaypodcast at gmail.com, and our Twitter handle is at HighwayNHP. We'd love to hear from you, so hit us up, hitchhikers. And once again, the three of us here want to give recognition and thanks to Sean Jackson and Cody Jones for the new theme music that they have graciously allowed us to use for the show. Join us next time, which will be on the 4th of July for a special bonus episode, but we're going to keep what we're talking about a secret for the time being. But I'm sure we'll all leave you wanting seconds. In two weeks. (laughs) (laughs) Two weeks. I second that motion. Oh, and uh, we also want to let you know on uh, one other thing here. For the first time ever, Nostalgia Highway will bring in a guest on the show, and that's going to be Justin Ramsey, one half of the Psycho Siblings podcast. So uh, we're going to get some interesting insight on some uh, movies we're going to discuss. Hope everybody's there to listen. Stay for the sequel. Be- <laughs> oh, is there going to be a sequel? I don't know. Okay. There's, al- There's, There's always, always a sequel. sequel. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> on behalf of the Lord Ketchum and Dave King of the Road, I'm your host, the Merrimack Logston, and we thank you once again for hitching a ride along with us, and we'll pick you up next time out on the highway. Same so kid t- from the original Vacation, right? No, not the same. No. Bullshit artist. <laughs> no, that's uh, they look the same. That's, that's Tommy Wallace. That's yeah, little Tommy whatever. Wallace. Well, they look the same. <laughs> I was totally convinced. You guys, Anthony Michael my Wallace, little Tommy yeah. Wallace. Oh, that's two. right. Yeah, he is uh, Tommy Wallace. Oh man. my God, he is fuck right guys. I didn't explain that shit. I'm to trying you. to stay I'm away ashamed. from all anything Halloween kills. Any but of that you shit. know, Anthony Michael Hall is yeah. Tommy. Oh, I didn't mean I, to get this started. I'm just saying, <laughs> uh, referencing back to my Davy David Elliott conversation, this is the same kind of thing. This kid looked the same in Vacation as he did in European Vacation. Yeah, he, except he had red hair, to, blonde hair to red hair. Oh, yeah, it, was, it was reddish blonde in the first one. Shit. Shit. Oh. But.